Hello, saltines. Thank you for joining us yet again. Hi, saltines. I'm not. I'm still not sure that I'm liking saltines, but we've had several people say yes. That is what we are now. So, so hello, saltines. Thank you for uh, joining us I'm again okay this with week. Saltines. You who are, are watching us on the YouTubes and those of you who are streaming our melodious voices on various platforms. Melodious. Um. We have we, we have a listener question, Austin. We do. Um, we do so love listener questions. Please, if you are listening and or watching us on YouTube, please contact us and send us your questions. We, yes. We'd love to talk about these things. Yes. So this listener uh, question comes from listener Larissa. Hey, guys. I just want to start by saying love the podcast. I listen to it every day on my way to and from work. Thank you for always taking the time to make this podcast. It's helped me so much. So I have a question. I've always been drawn to witchcraft, but I only started practicing in March of 2022. When I started practicing, I found Hecate, who had sent me a skeleton key. I decided not to work with her because she was too quote-unquote mainstream. I chose Lilith instead. Don't judge me. However, in the is last this a, is thing... Is this that's... a new listener question? Yeah. Okay, because I think we've, we, we, we've answered a question for Larissa before... Because this story is very familiar. Anyway, do go on. However, in the last three months, it was like Lilith dropped off the all-worldly planes. In the last month... Lilith be like that. It's true. In the last month, I refound Hecate and began working with her. She told me it was her the entire time acting as Lilith because I was being a stubborn human who refused to work with her. Is this a mischievous spirit or is this really Hecate? Also, if it is her, then have you ever heard of her doing something like this before? Yeah, we've answered this exact question on an earlier episode. Oh. Like probably three weeks or you know, a longer ago than that, actually probably close to a couple months ago. When was the date on this? When was this received? August 14th. What's today? August 14th. 14th. Is it August 14th of like 2022? No, this is August 14th of this year. Our Lord and Savior, 2023. Who's uh, Lord? What's Hail Lucifer. Hail Lucifer. Um, okay. Uh, well, let's let's go there again. I I'm gonna say that this is really unusual. And if I were to, this is what I said last time too. If I were to to basically in answering this, I would say I don't think that that was Hecate. I think that you might be dealing with a trickster. Um, and I say that mainly because Hecate doesn't really play those kinds of games. Like, she's not a spirit that's going to be, like, wearing different masks and pretending to be particularly not another goddess, like Lilith. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. So I I don't think that's what's happening here. That's what has happened here. I, I think that um, you, you've got something else going on. Um, in fact, what I would probably say is it's far more likely... That this is actually Lilith, uh, because she's much more inclined to be. Uh, this is going to sound shitty, but like deceptive, like this. And I don't mean that to sound like bad at all. I don't mean to say like Lilith is lying to you for no reason. Typically, if a goddess like Lilith is going to do something like this, just to what, like one of her devotees or followers, like there's a lesson in this for you. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I would say, like, just in answering this, no. I don't think that this is Hecate at all. Um, I think a lot of other Hecatean witches that have worked with her for a long time would, would probably back me up on that. Um, also, I'm going to say just as a, as a little bit of advice and a, like an additional tidbit to this question. Um, before you look more in the direction of Hecate, I think it would be good for you to actually try to reconnect to get a bit more with Lilith. Um, because that's my instinct on this, is that this is... Like, this is a test. Like, there's something going on, and the, the direction that's coming from is definitely not Hecate. I'm, I'm thinking Lilith, Lilith is trying to help you figure something out. I'm going to agree with Mike. I think Lilith is probably trying to help you step into your sovereignty and agency and realize that you don't need a god or a goddess the entire time. Those are, like, your new favorite words. I love that. Um, to <laughs> she, She's trying to teach you a lesson of, like, you have the power to know whether or not it is a trickster or not. You have the power to know that because um, if you're like every other witch who started their practice in 2022, then you probably have studied a lot of cleansing and a lot of warding and protective magic. And so she's probably testing you to be like, 
Are you sure you're ready to move on? Because you're doubting your wards right now. You're doubting your power. <laughs> so that sounds much more Lilithian to me. Um, I will say... Um, I'll take it. I will say that I have had some experiences with uh, students of mine where they thought they were working with one deity and like just on an ancestral level, a deity had like already kind of like stamped them. I was like, no, your ancestors worked with me. Your grandmother worked with me. Your grandmother's grandmother worked with me. Like you are mine. You are mine. Which which can happen. I don't know how commonly that would happen. It's not common at all. It's not common at all. And like, so they were searching and reaching out and looking at other deities and found. (laughs) You can't do this to me. I took my medicine. Um, Oh, um, I I put a leaf in his mouth and and like the leaf fell out of his mouth. um, She was like working with this deity that was totally outside of her ancestral line like not even in the wheelhouse of where her ancestors come from but there was enough similarities between that deity and the ancestral deity that the ancestral deity was like okay whatever you can call me whatever the fuck you want but you're still working with me and so when they sat down with me and i did i was like kind of doing reading and checking in and checking in with them i was like you know you're not working with this deity, right? Like, you're getting major, major this energy. And the fact that you already have an altar set up to that one because you're honoring your ancestors there. You're your ancestors there. You're honoring your ancestors. You're honoring your ancestors at that altar with a depiction of that goddess that is ancestral to you. Meanwhile, your other altars, like, not even, like, you pay more attention to the other one. That tells me that you that deity was just like, whatever, call me what you want. This is who you're getting. Fuck anyone else who tries. That's your Saturn finger. That is my Saturn finger. Um, okay. Are we supposed is to blur our, that out? Is that our final answer? What? Are we what? Are we supposed to blur that out? No. 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 I don't think so. You I'll just check, you just you just dropped the f bomb a minute ago. I mean, yeah, we're oh, we're true. we're already very much in adult territory now. True. Um, but your channel is marked adult. Yeah, we have an adult channel now. Oh, it happened. Does this anyway, mean we're accountants? I'm an accountant. So is I, that still a thing? That's what the young people were were referring to when they were talking about their OnlyFans pages. Yes, they were accountants. Is yes. that still a thing? I think it is. Yes. Okay, I'm old. I'm out of touch. Anyway, so I think that might be something that could be happening. Um, but yeah, I'm going to agree with Mike. Hecate is not going to be one to be like, ha ha ha, I'm tricking you. It was really me all along. Ha 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 ha. Mm-hmm. Hecate doesn't have enough time for that. And Hecate is just like, you can work with me if you fucking want. Or you cannot. And that's cool too. I'm going to go take care of these things. She she is really good though I will say to add to that Hecate is really good at I think when we connect with her either she approaches us or we decide maybe to seek her out initially mm-hmm. at that point if for whatever reason it's determined that that kind of connection isn't appropriate you know usually on the part of the human right mm-hmm. like we're we're in a situation in our lives where we're not ready for the kind of work that, that Hecate would typically ask of us. And when I, what I mean by that is it really, to be honest, has very little to do with Hecate. It has more to do with the personal growth that we need to be diving yeah. into. Because that's a huge component of working with Hecate. Yeah. Um, but she's also pretty good, I think, at, um, you know, if at that point it's like, you know, now's not the right time. Yeah. Um, you know, and she kind of goes away for a while. Like, usually when you get to that moment where you're ready, like, she's like, she's right there. Yeah, it's almost like yeah. she's like, okay, I came to you in my guise of Anodia in my epithet of the Nodia, I'm mm-hmm. guiding you to this spirit or entity or deity that will be more beneficial for you right now. So here they are. If you still want to venerate me, cool. But we are not working together. Yeah. When you grow up a little, I'll 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 come back and give you a little a little a little gold star. Okay. Um, you mentioned epithets, and that's actually, I think, going to be a good segue into something just really quickly that I want to talk about. Okay. Okay, that is is loosely related to this, but also is going to touch upon 
um, the topic of our podcast tonight, which we will get to in a moment. Um, but uh, yeah, there there are a lot of pieces between what we were just discussing, and then again, yeah, just just other things on this episode. Um, this wasn't a listener question, but this was a conversation that I had with someone earlier today, okay. who stopped by the store and asked us to order to see if we could track down and procure um, a very particular depiction of uh, the Virgin Mary. Um, and and of course, we, we're going to do that. We're going to find a statue for this person because that's what we do. We want everybody to be able to do the things they want to do with their spiritual practice. But um, the reason I'm bringing this up, and this, and this, this a young woman that I talked to was was lovely you know, over the phone. I talked to her. She was, she was, she was lovely, and she, she was able to clarify exactly what she was looking for. But at the time that she initially came in, there, there was some confusion, I think, in the exact representation of the Virgin Mary that she was looking for for her practice. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I want to talk about that a little bit because <clears throat> I've noticed now as um, people are reclaiming more of what we could identify as kind of the spectrum of folk pra- excuse me, folk practices. Mm-hmm. You drank soda and I burped. How did that work? God, we are codependent. Um, <clears throat> anyway. It's witchcraft. Um, but I've noticed that as a lot of people are kind of reclaiming folk practices, particularly folk practices that have ties to um, Catholicism mm-hmm. in many cultures in many areas of the world, um, there is more and more of an, an inclusion now in uh, the saints, the uh, the theistic spirits, like like the Virgin Mary, mm-hmm. um, the Blessed Madonna, whatever you may want to call her, right, um, that are now being incorporated into people's spiritual practices outside of Catholicism, right? Um, but it's interesting that because I think that a lot of people, when they they do want to do something like that, um, again, they need to be very careful about how they research the iconography and the representation of a spirit like the Virgin Mary. Right? Like in this situation, you, we had someone who was looking for the uh, Our Lady of Sorrows mm-hmm. representation of the Virgin uh, of Mary. Um, and there was some confusion as to whether it was a depiction of the Our Lady of Sorrows or if it was the Black Madonna. Yeah. Um, and they are very different things. Yes, they are. Um, and that's, it's important to understand, to research those things. We talked about this a little bit last week, actually, about doing your research beyond the confines of witchcraft. Yeah. And looking at other important pieces, like you may need to actually dig into some of the mythos and the lore and the stories around Catholicism, you know, to make sure that, yeah, you're choosing the right Mary, right? Like if you want to work with Mary in a particular aspect, um, you know, where you want to focus primarily on, who knows, right? Who knows, right? You want to make sure that you are finding depictions and associations of Mary that is kind of for that thing. Yeah. Right. Um, and so it was interesting, this conversation, because, you know, I was like, well, we could have ordered a black Madonna for this person in, in by mistake. Um, that certainly could have looked similar and would have had the same representation of Mary. Mm. Right. Um, but in praying to the black Madonna, you are likely to get a very different response from spirit yeah. than you would if you were praying to say our lady of sorrows yeah right so um so it was just interesting that and it was something else that kind of popped into my mind about like you know make sure before you along the lines of what we were just talking about with this other listener questions before you have clearly like put a name on a spirit that you're working with before you think you've really identified the thing make sure you do your work make sure you do your homework um because you, you may not really be connected to what you think you're connected to right anyway um our topic tonight is on mistakes magical mistakes those moments where we as witches occultists whatever you want to call yourself those moments where we 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 really screw it up um and this was to be honest kind of a last minute idea for this episode um but i think that's good because that seems to be in the nature of the topic um we're we're on theme um, <clears throat> I don't make magical mistakes. I so let's, there you go. That's a perfect place to start. Mr. Perfect over here. So Austin, let's, I, I'm, I will be the first to admit I have in my years of practice and I've been practicing witchcraft for a very long time. And the only reason I throw that out there is because that tells everybody that I have also been fucking it up for a very long time. <laughs> um, 
I am not too proud to say that I have made some amazing blunders in the years that I've been practicing. And I've been very lucky in that a lot of the mistakes that I have made, the consequences of those have really primarily bounced back on myself that I've been the one that has ultimately had to bear the responsibility for my arrogance, my ignorance, my laziness. A lot of times that's it, it's laziness. Um, but um, I think it's important though to have these kinds of conversations because I think uh, when we look at a lot of what is put forth, particularly on like internet witchcraft, right? Internet mm -hmm. witchcraft voices that we see and we hear so much from these days. Um, there's this idea that is, I think, pushed by a lot of uh, experienced practitioners. Even, even I see a lot of newer practitioners who might have been lucky. They've only, who knows, like you know, successfully worked maybe one or two spells, and now they they've got the god complex, right? They're like, I'm perfect. My magic is the best. I'm all powerful, right? Um, we always know those are the people that crash the hardest. It's true. Uh, but um, I think it's it's tricky to hear or you don't really commonly hear people being honest about like oh yeah i tried to do this thing and i really really messed it up yeah um and and there seems to be well you have that side of things so you have the complete arrogant side of things and then on the complete opposite in the spectrum you have the i did this thing and i fucked it up you shouldn't do it don't ever do this and it's yeah. like yeah that, that, that's true too yeah or you could have just done it wrong and figured out how to do it right yeah. Uh, well, we've talked before, even on recent episodes, how a huge component of magical practice should be experimentation. Oh, yes. Um, you know, if you try something, even if it's something that you got from an established or reliable resource, that doesn't mean that because that spell worked really, really well for that person, that it's going to work for me. You're a different person. Your spirits are different. Your circumstances are different. It, it doesn't matter. Um, but I, I think that, yeah, we, we there's this idea that um, like to make a mistake in the pursuit of magical practices like like that's like the cardinal sin yeah right like not. don't don't mess it up don't screw the it cardinal up. sin is actually um, not making mistakes is that a sin though really yes we don't really deal with sin do we in our, our magical really. practice i was having this conversation with someone in the store today actually who is in that really important in-between phase between like like i used to be religious did she suggest you're losing I, my religion I, class? I moved away. She asked about it, actually. Um, and I, so she was like, what is this about? And so I explained to her what it was about. And, and she was like, well, I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm pretty, doing pretty okay with the deconditioning component. Like, she was like, I think I've done pretty well with that. Um, you know, and I, I would say, to, to her credit, if she's in our store... She probably has. She's probably done some good work there. But I, I and I, the thing is, I didn't want to get into it because I really just didn't have the time at the moment. But I also, I, what I wanted to tell her is that deconditioning ourselves from religious trauma and things like that, to be honest, is kind of a lifetime's kind of work. Like, you're never really done with that shit. It's like dealing with PTSD. You know, it's like, like it's not like a, oh, when and done. It's like, like no, that shit could it's come. Constant. That shit could come back to get you years and years later, uh, and out of the blue, you're triggered again, and you, uh, and you're like, oh, I thought I was over this. Mm -hmm. No, we're much more complex than that. Um, anyway, um, but um, I think there's uh, again this idea that if you're going to be a good witch, if you're going to be a good magician, whatever you call yourself, that you never ever make mistakes. That's bullshit. And that is really, really, I think, wrong thinking. Um, what what's the benefit to to making mistakes? You, you, you learn from them. <laughs> the benefit from making mistakes is one, it helps keep you humble. Um, two, it helps you also know how far you can go. It gives you your limits, but again, it teaches you those lessons that need to be learned. Mm -hmm. It, it does. It teaches those, you those lessons that need to be learned. Um, you know, you're never going to learn not to... You're never going to learn not to hurl a, a curse or a hex in jest if you don't do it and then see it either fizzle and go, no, or come back and bite you in the ass because your spirits are like, hmm. That wasn't a justified working. That wasn't a justified Shame working. You. Here you go. Or if it does land, seeing it land and then mm -hmm. just how weak that is and how easy it is to just remove it. You're very high right now, aren't you? I took a larger hit <laughs> of my medicine than I ah. normally would have. This is part of the process. 
process at the beginning. Oh, there you go. Um, That's right. Did you make a mistake of getting too high for the podcast? I <laughs> don't think it's a mistake. Am I am I not making sense? No, you're good. You're good. It's just weird because usually when 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 usually when something like this is happening, we're both high. And tonight, I get to be the sober one. I'm going to torment you through this whole episode. <laughs> anyway, no. Um, okay, so I have my so, medical so, card. No, no. So you're good. You're good. You're good. So um, no, yeah, you're totally legal. Um, anyway, no. So, so you 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 got it right there, though. I think really the 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 benefit. But like, am I not making sense? No, you're good. You're good. You're good. Okay. No, the the benefit to making mistakes really okay. is, and if we're honest about that, and we. We don't get all up in our head and we don't allow our ego to, you know, to get its little feelings hurt, right? The benefit to that really is, is that it, it, it there, nothing is going to teach you quicker than, than really like doing it wrong and, and likely having to face some consequences of that. I think we see that happen in really pretty much every aspect yeah. of our lives, right? Yeah, nothing's going to um, teach you not to poke the bear more than poking the bear. I'm poking you. I'll get you later. I'm. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not sure how to respond to that. Oof! Should I be scared? Enchanté. No, I'm like, I'm, um, anyway, um, yeah. So no. So I think what what's one of the other benefits that we can see coming from making mistakes, right? Because we can we can see a mistake being a, like like again a learning opportunity. But you also mentioned a moment ago that um, to elaborate on something that you that you did mention that you did say that that sometimes making a mistake isn't so much about I think just that we just did the wrong thing. I think sometimes moments like that are lined up for us either through our actions or maybe again maybe the spirits that we're working with, right? But sometimes moments like that I think are lined up for us because those are ways for us to really fine tune not so much our practice but the path that we're on. You know, like, yeah. I I know a number of people over the years who really wanted to get involved into in, in green witchcraft right like they love the, the earth they love nature they love plants the the idea of working with herbs in their witchcraft just seems so magical and powerful to them right and yet every time they have really tried to get their hands into that work it has been just a disaster for them in some way yeah they've formulated the wrong kind of herb they can't remember the magical correspondences to things right and it's not there's anything wrong with these people right we just we all have our strengths so and our weaknesses right you know and what i've seen happen in a couple of those situations is people they've, they've over time they've been able to accept like you know as much as i wanted to do this i've actually kind of realized like maybe maybe this really wasn't my jam you know, like the process of trying to recover from some of the mistakes that I've made has told me one that I maybe don't have the skill here that I maybe I want, you know, um, but two, in the process of trying to cultivate skill, I've made even bigger mistakes, right? Like it really has kind of become clear to these people over time that like, maybe, maybe this just isn't the thing, you know, you know, so, so, and they, in the process, they've been able to then send that energy in another direction and actually really flourish in yeah. some other component of their practice, you know, and that, and then they find that strength. Right. You know, so, um, that's one of the other things that I have found beneficial. You mentioned that making mistakes helps us to stay humble. What is the value of humility in these kinds of practices? Because I think that there's a lot of confusion there. We talk so much about things like sovereignty and, you know, and being your biggest badass witch self, you know, and, you know, and, and there are no consequences because it's all about your power and your direct connection to whatever you're working with, right? And we hear shit like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I find that the people who are most always the ones saying that stuff, they're almost always the people that end up becoming the cautionary tale. Like, I always think of Aleister Crowley as a perfect example of somebody who was so insistent. And he was not a witch. And to be honest, I'm not entirely sure he was a magical practitioner. I think Jude was really just, I think just historically, I think he just was was probably one of just the best con men around. Um, you know, but but he was really good at painting a picture and really good at getting people to believe that he was something. Maybe that he wasn't, right? I wonder um, what his sign was. It's probably a Scorpio. Or a Gemini. Ugh, God, Geminis are the worst. Yeah, they are. Ew. Get away from me. Um, anyway. Yes, yes, exactly. That's a very good question. Both of you. I think he might have been Aries. Um, hmm? I think he might have been Aries. Aries would also make sense. Anyway, I, I use him as an example because Aleister Crowley, and he's just one of many, Aleister Crowley will always, I think, be remembered as the man that was the, he was the biggest and the best, you know, and the most feared 
magician, you know, and I mean, and he couldn't be happy with just saying like, oh, I'm this, right? He had to be this and this and this and this and this, you know, like, and he, and he, th this was his image. This was what he portrayed, you know, um, and I, it's been my experience that the people who need to be the biggest and best also are the people that have the biggest and best failures, because sooner or later, everything comes crumbling down, mm -hmm. right? And that was very much the case for Aleister Crowley, mm -hmm. right? Like, dude died not only in infamy, but in poverty, you know? Um, <clears throat> and he's become a very charged figure in the occult community since. You either, he's the black licorice of occultism. You either love him or you hate him. Um, okay. Are we Aleister Crowley now? Um, I'm going to say no. Um, he, yeah, I, I would not want to put my mouth on that. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Uh, there are Thelemites listening to this program and members of the OTO that are just going to, like, be really upset with me. But Aleister Crowley was a creeper. He was gross. Um, and he was really into coprophagy, is my understanding. Um, there was a, he did a ritual with one of the many women, I think, that was his, um, his representation of Babylon, the high priest, mm -hmm. priestess, excuse me, the high priestess, in many of the the rituals that he did as under the auspices of Horus or the spirit that he thought was Horus, um, if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, and yes, one of them was because the whole point, and this is very much his philosophy. Right? We're totally on a tangent now. Um, his his whole philosophy was basically like like there is no extreme, or like there there is nothing that is forbidden. Like, you know, it was kind of the thing, right? Permissible. Exactly. You know, and so and so his whole gimmick was like, how much sicker and more depraved and and messed up can I get, right? You know, and, and there's a part of me, honestly, that thinks that at the core, like on a psychological level, maybe he was just like a big time masochist or maybe like a sadomasochist. Um, you know, but that's that's the behavioral science part of my brain that's like who was this person um but yeah but there's one ritual he did apparently where he like yeah he ate a plate of his uh female ritual partner shit so anyway so um, for these reasons no i don't want to put my mouth on uh, alistair crowley um, um but <coughs> anyway so yeah so what what is the benefit of remaining humble the benefit to remaining humble is it keeps your ego in check it helps keep keep you in line with like i know that this is what i'm comfortable doing and i can do it well i know this is what i need to work on and i know how to do it and this is what i will never touch again i don't have any talents here and i have no desire to it helps keep you in alignment with your truth um i mean i have no desire to study norse paganism i have no desire to study anything like that I've never been called to it. I've never desired it. I've never wanted to research it. And so I humbly bow out when someone's like, well, how much do you know about this? I'm like, I don't know. I know this much. I literally know this much. And most of it is, Tiny bit. is, is like nothing that you couldn't find from just a normal Google search. And, but you know, you want to talk about Hecate or something like that. Then I'm like, cool. But I also have my limits there. So being humble keeps you in your lane. So that way you don't end up stepping on someone else's toes, potentially getting run over by someone or something. And it helps you know where you're at and gives you a realistic place to grow from and grow to. Okay. What's your, what's your favorite mistake? That you have made. That, that I have made. made. I may decide to share one of my own. You need to. I'm going to see how messed up yours is, and then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll decide. It's a boo-boo off. A boo-boo off? Okay. All right. I like it. Boo-boo off. Oh, God. I'm trying to think now. Well, as you told us at the beginning of the episode, you never make mistakes. Sorry. You had like a lint or a, a fuzzy or something on your nose. It's Okay. I think part of it isn't that I don't make mistakes as much as I don't see my mistakes as mistakes. I see them as learning. And so I guess, I guess it's the term mistake that really bothers me. So what is your process of dealing with a mistake? Um, yeah. yeah. How does that work for you? Okay. So I will give an example that I can think of. 
I really wanted to be a part of a coven after I left my first coven. And so I found this place, I found this group, and I was like, okay, this is cool. I went there, I really got involved, um, and I started uh, getting really competitive with other people there. And I started getting competitive because I was listening to a lot of people talk about what they know and what they can do and who they are and where they stand. And I'm over here as someone with, as a third degree gardenerian Wiccan who's like, that's not how that works. That's not how you would cat. Okay, whatever. And so I started causing waves. Eventually those waves settled because I did kind of like step, step back and go, okay, cool. You want to do this? have at it. And so I always had rituals written, planned and everything because I always knew someone was going to drop, drop the ball and someone always dropped the ball. So I was always prepared, but the mistake was I put a lot of trust and faith in this group and thought that for some reason it would give me some sort of like power or backing and eventually it just fell through and I realized that no everything that I had been doing all the hard work I'd been going through in my mind while I was going through that process it was I'm doing this so I can get to the next level I'm doing it so I can get to the next degree I'm doing it so I can do this really what it was was it was my spirits going okay you obviously need someone to hold you accountable to continue your studies. So here, you're in this group, you have issues leading public ritual, so we're gonna force you into leading public ritual. Um, you have issues dealing with people, so we're gonna force you to deal with people. We're gonna force you to learn how to set your boundaries. And so it was that entire thing that was a huge mistake that whilst it was a mistake, was also a huge learning opportunity for me. And I walked away from that, being able to tell the difference between a coven, a cult, and a friend group. Okay. Now, I do have a spell mistake, though. Ooh, let's share that one, because that's probably what people really want to hear. Okay. So, I was doing protective workings. Um, I had gone through... Protective workings. Go on. So, basically... I'm, just, I'm, like, I'm like, have I heard this story? This was, this was like year... This was still year one of us being open up. Uh, of the shop being open. Okay. And so like we had gotten done with something, um, some other place had decided to fling something at us and we were uh, like, yes. And we were like, oh, okay, different witchcraft shops can never just behave and get along. Different witch groups just can't ever behave Ugh. and get along and stay in their own lane. And it gets really tired. I think that stems from the same kind of arrogance that puts people in a position not to be able to accept mistakes. Exactly. So, so, um, we did a huge cleanse and it was like really, really cool. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rebuild up back up the wards. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set some shields. I'm gonna set some things. Um, and I locked the shop and the shop property down, and it was dead for like three days. And I was like, what's happening? What's going on? We just did a clear, and everyone's thinking like, what the fuck? What's going on? And then it was finally. Um, it was it was it was Chris. Mm -hmm. We were upstairs having coffee, and Chris was like, "So I was there, and I like reached out to see like why was it so so slow, and I like I felt Austin, and he was like, and I know you wouldn't cross the shop up like obviously not you're an owner, and so he's like, so I was like, what is this? And he was like, it was some of the thickest protective, like cement fucking wall shit that I've ever felt and it was blocking business and I was like oh shit oh no he's like and I took it down and like you know we got a little bit busier and sales, sales picked up he's like but I need you to like fix that when you go back to the shop and I was like sorry so I did I used gunpowder <laughs> I was like <laughs> So, and that's how I learned the lesson that there is such thing as being too heavily protected. Mm -hmm. You run a business, you don't want to have those thick ass 
wards of protection. <laughs> well, you can ward or not completely lock everything. Down. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. you, you, you can ward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that's one of my mistakes. Okay. How about one of your mistakes? Well, I just you know want to make it very clear, much like you that at the beginning of the episode that I I don't make mistakes. Um. Yes. But no. You did. Um. So one of them actually I shared on the podcast. It's been a long time ago, but I shared the story about how when I was uh, a young chaos magician and I thought I was hot shit. Um, I created a servitor and, uh, against all of the advice of people that I had been learning from, uh, I decided that my own blood would be a good energy supply for said servitor. Um, yes, yes. The folly of youth. Um, <laughs> but I, um, and I was, and I was pretty good actually at making my offerings to that servitor. And then I'm trying to remember now, I think it was college related. I think that my, I was in school and just, you know, just college being what it is. I think I was just, I was really tired and I was really busy and I had a week where I missed feeding my servitor. And this is why I always tell people when I teach any kind of class that involves information on servitors and the feeding of servitors to be very careful about what you choose to offer to your servitor as food, because they are going to get their food from you one way or another. And that week that I neglected to feed my servitor, I ended up almost slicing my finger off. Uh, while I think just trying to chop vegetables or something, I was cooking a meal and, and so much blood, so much blood. Um, and I, I remember at the time even hearing like a little voice in my head, basically kind of along those lines, like I'll get my blood one way or another. And, you know, and so that was one, um, trying to think of another one. If you share another one, I'll share another one. Well, you already shared two. Oh yeah, I did. Um, <clears throat> you're good. You're good. People love to see us be human. I think, um, Oh God, I had another one in my brain and I'm like not remembering what it was now. Shit. I'll share one. Okay. So well you think about that. So I um with the same group that I was talking about prior, uh, I was really getting into healing work. Like I'd never really been a big healer, like in any mm -hmm. other groups. Like I learned the basics of like healing as a witch and like you know, I knew how to cast a healing spell and stuff like that, but like actual energy work where you're going into like the aura and like manipulating it and pulling things out. Um, I had never really learned that. And so this is what I see a lot of light workers do. Mm. They get really into it and they do a couple of things and they're like, I'm fucking hot shit. Like I can <clears throat> rip this cord out and I have all this other stuff. And so I'm working on one of my, my then coven members, mothers, who's very much not a witch, very much not into it, very much Mormon, but loved hanging out with the gays, loved hanging out with the goths. Okay. She was just like, Oh my, I love it here. This is so fun. Meow. Um, I don't think Kelly's watching, but Kelly, if you're watching, I still love and adore you. And I'm so sorry about the situation that I just did that, that, that I'm going to talk about. So, she was having some really bad, um, like neck pain. And so I was over there and I was like, you know what, I'm going to try this. And so I started working energy and I got into like this weird trance like state where I was just channeling so much energy. And I started like, like, you know, like weaving together and like locking things down and like opening things. And I just like, was just going and I was there for a good 10, 15 minutes just mm -hmm. working on her. And while I was doing it, she was like, that feels really good. Like she was enjoying herself. And then I went and I locked everything down and I was like, there you go. And I was like, I need to go ground. So I got up from, from the meat and I went outside and I was starting to ground. And, um, uh, <laughs> one of the very well-intentioned and very well-learned teachers in that group, um, had to fix her because she was starting to overheat. She started getting fevers. Mm -hmm. She <clears throat> like okay. started swelling up mm -hmm. where I was working. Um, 
And Mel, my my first Reiki master, actually was like, oh, "This was no. what this is what pr- prompted Mel to M- Mel to teach me, because he was like, it was really good work, but it was a lot. You need you need finesse. You have power and, and skill, but yes, you need finesse exactly. And so I came in after I had grounded, and she's just weeping, just in so much pain. And Mel's just doing the Mel thing, just. just taking care of this and Mel starting to sweat and he finally hit some of the harder shit that I put up and he started getting affected. And so as a group, we all had to work on this one woman because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Um, so this is why intentions, not everything following your intuition is great on certain things. That's the lesson I learned there was probably don't follow your intuition. If you don't know how to do energy work and do healing for other people, maybe get some training and, and, and learn a little bit first. Um, and I also learned that it takes finesse to be a healer. You can't just go in, rip something out, and then walk it up and weave this. Like, it's finesse, it's time, it's training, and it's also knowledge of the anatomy. Mm-hmm. And so I, I learned a really big lesson that day. And that's when Melbourne came over and was like, All right, we, have, we, we need to have a talk. I was like, I'm sorry. Mel was a good healer. Mel was a yeah. powerful healer. <clears throat> this mm-hmm. this dude, I, I tell you what, Mel was one of those people where you could just step into the room and he always showed up early for meets mm. and he would just sit there and he'd just radiate. Just healing, comfort, love, healing. And you would just sit there and you'd just like, melt into the couch and he was just sipping his coffee black yes may he rest in peace yes um so thanks mel um but mel's the one who taught me reiki and taught me like healing doesn't is not aggressive if you are doing healing work for other people there's a time and a place for aggressive but you also have to be just as you have to come back in with enough finesse and compassion after the aggression if not more if not more. So it was a very good lesson, and that's how I started learning about Reiki, and I got my attunements. Well done. Okay, now you have to share another story. I'm sitting here thinking, and the one that I was going to share, like, it's just totally just escaped my mind. And so I'm sitting here thinking, like, can I think of another time? And I guess that the answer is I can, because there have been many. Um... <clears throat> Most of them, though, I think, rather than going maybe into the details of another experience, I, I'm looking back on um, my motivation. Not my motivation. I guess I guess the reason why. The reason, really, the reason why I made the mistake. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, I think there it, it's going to go back again to something I was saying earlier, where I think in our culture, not just here in our area of the world, but just human culture. I think that there's this need to know everything. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there's this part of us that somehow associates not knowing something with being less than or being weaker. Yeah. Or mistakes equaling weakness. Well, yeah, because if you think about it, like you make a mistake because you you didn't, maybe you didn't know better, right. Mm -hmm. Or you didn't know, you know, the right way. Right. And so you make a mistake, you know, and so I think there's a part of me in thinking back to some of my own experiences and a lot of the ones that I commonly see people making is that there's this front that a lot of people put forth, right? Like we're like, well, I'm the expert. Well, I know everything about this, right? And again, we see that a lot with like internet witchery, yeah, right? Where everybody that has any kind of a social media presence now is like, well, I'm a master at blah, 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 blah. You know, and I was having this conversation with someone the other day where they were talking about, well, you're a master herbalist. And I was like, well, I don't like that terminology. Like, refer to me maybe as a certified herbalist, but please don't call me a master herbalist because that that just that just seems wrong. Like, I'm like anybody that gets to a point where they're just super comfy putting the word master in front of something that they do. I'm like, you need to check your ego. 
a little bit, just a little bit, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, and which is not to say that people cannot master something, right? There's, I think there's a difference between having mastery and being able to say, I'm a master. Yeah. You know, I'm like, uh, a master never you know? calls himself a master, <clears throat> you know, it's like, but also I think to fall into the habit of, of being, you know, constantly referring to yourself as a master. what that tells me is that on some level, you've gotten to a point where you think you really know it all. And yes. There's no more point for you to grow or learn. So why even bother? Exactly. You know, um, and I don't personally, I don't want to work with somebody who is in that position in their practice. I want to work with someone who is able to be honest and admit that there's always more for me to learn. There's always more for me to be able to do and grow. Yeah. Right. Because that tells me that they're still operating from the right perspective. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're going to be bringing a more open approach and a more intelligent, a wiser approach to what they're going to be doing. Right. Because there's yeah. wisdom in being able to say, I don't know everything. Exactly. I mean, <clears throat> having said that, I do want to go on record right now saying that, I, yes, I do know everything. See, and um, I don't know everything. <clears throat> and I have no problem telling people that when they come into like the shop. Dick. You know, um, there have been times where people have come in and asked me certain questions. Like, I'm pretty well versed in my herbs. I'm pretty well versed in my green witchcraft. Um, and there, but there are just certain herbs in our apothecary that I'm like, I've never used this in magic. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Like, Blue Lotus. I've never used Blue Lotus magic. We have it in our apothecary. People want it. People like it. Maybe is it. I, hmm? I, the closest thing I've gotten to using Blue Lotus in my magic is to assist in spirit flight. I've not used the herbal matter or component in any form of spell. I think, I think a lot of those herbs, though, because you're, you're dealing with the animi you're dealing with the concept there, the animistic spirit mm -hmm. balanced against the actual chemical and organic components of the herb. Yeah. And in witchcraft, very often those things actually parallel each other really closely. Yeah. Like one of the reasons that people use rosemary to cleanse and protect is that rosemary is highly astringent. Um, you know, uh, one of the reasons that people use la uh, lavender for the things that they do is because lavender, on, on a chemical level, lavender actually has chemical components that are calming and soothing. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and attracts <clears throat> lots and lots of bees and also astringent because lavender is also astringent. Um, so, you know, so I think that in looking at something like the example you made of blue Lotus, like you would probably be safe to use blue Lotus magically for the same things that you would use it for on say like a medicinal. Well, no, I know that. But like what I'm saying is like each herb and this comes from like the root worker, root worker part of me because each, each herb <clears throat> has a spirit and getting to know that spirit you can kind of flex on how it works. Um, so I don't know the spirit of Blue Lotus very well. I know the spirit of Hide on the Conquer root very well. I know the spirit of Rosemary pretty well. I know the spirit of, you know, Agrimony, Hyssop, like all the herbs that I work with quite frequently. But if I were to sit down and go, okay, I'm working this type of spell and I want the effects of Blue Lotus in there. Like I want its spirit of like, almost like tranquilizing effect or like soothing effect, but I don't want kind of it like chloroform. Yes. But I like, but I don't want it to be like chloroform. Like <laughs> you still have to get to know that spirit. And because if you get to know that spirit, you can have a better line of communication when speaking to it and activating it. Yes. So that's what I'm saying. No, I get it. So yeah. I guess where I was going was what I was saying a moment ago. No, I understand. Is. I think it's it's good or is healthier for us and those who are who have joined us our saltines um, to cultivate a sense of strength and empowerment and being able to say that you don't know everything yeah and that you don't need to know everything because in doing that 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 to be honest right there that will help you avoid making so many mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll make sure that when you do make a mistake that you're able to roll with it a little bit better yeah and you can laugh it off i think that's because that's probably the best way i think people tend to when when we screw it up depending of course on you know the nature of the screw up right and how serious the consequences are you know i think that um there's this tendency to like, like we feel a lot of shame you know or like you know we get we're embarrassed right you know um but i, I really i think that when we make a mistake again depending necessarily on the severity you know particularly in our magical practice that if we can it's probably better just to laugh that shit off um that was the story i was going to relate and i don't want to go into specifics of the working that i was doing because people don't really need to know that um and again this was years ago i've noticed as i've gotten older that i'm much less likely to do dumb shit like this 
Um, I'm not trying to say that youth is is uh, more inclined or that the young are more inclined to make mistakes, but the young are more inclined to make mistakes. It's because they have uh, more energy to do it. <clears throat> there's, I think there's there, there's certainly more energy. There's more drive. Um, and uh, there's something to be said for uh, age and experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But uh, but the story though was basically that I went out and I probably spent like close to five hundred dollars on ingredients to do a particular ritual, and at the last minute I couldn't find one thing that I needed, and I ended up substituting something else, and we'll just say that was a waste of five hundred dollars. Um, yeah, magic. You know about this now. Ceremonial magic gets expensive, y'all. Um, <clears throat> don't do it. Don't do it. That's why. That's why I don't. I went back to, to the chaos magic and the traditional witchcraft because no, thank you. Ceremonial magic is just oof, it's too much. I need to know about this working um, now. It's the opera melon, right? No, no, sorry, that just popped into my head because we watched that movie recently. Um, the right of the opera melon. <clears throat> the right of the opera melon, which is actually a fictitious thing. It's not a real right. Um, what? Yes, it's it's like oh, there's this old like in a lot of the old grimoires. It's it's kind of like a kind of in the same vein of like Solomonic magic really um there's this right like this this famous magician or famous person you know magical practitioner Aubrey Mellon who um you know was also right. said to be able to converse and control spirits angels demons these kinds of things right and there's a whole lot of lore and other nonsense around that um and you know and, and as it turns out it's also about as fictitious as all of the works of Solomon so but having said that it does work for people 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 can do those rituals and get results mm-hmm just depends on how much you're willing to believe and how much money you're willing to spend on that one particular ritual dagger. Because um, <clears throat> there's always that one particular ritual dagger. Or a fancy wand. Or a fancy wand. Or a, a brazier. Braze, brazier? Brazier? I remember being a child and seeing like brazier. people. Yes, I remember being younger and hearing the, the older generation of witches in my coven talking about braziers mm-hmm. for like their fire and stuff and thinking yeah. like, I'm thinking like, well, and they were all women. So it was like, you guys, you guys buy fancy bras for your rituals? <laughs> That's awesome. What? Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a mistake. Um, so those Victoria's Secret bras, they are not flame retardant. I'm telling you right now, you will, you will go up real quick. Um, is that even a nice bra? I don't know enough about bras. Are Victoria's Secret bras like? Are they considered good bras? I don't know. I don't know why I'm looking at you, Ashley. You're you're a woman. Do you do you do you? I am. Thank you, you are. You're, you're welcome. Thank you. I'm. I'm uh, yeah. I, I guess. Congratulations. I yes. Uh, yeah. Well done. I've been well done. On well done. Yes. Um, um, I don't. Yeah. I'm not Victoria's sure. Secret basically bottoms out around age 25 for a lot of people because okay. their breasts get larger. Okay. Their bodies change in such a way, and comfort becomes more important than yes. booty calls. Okay. So it's kind of a. Well, yeah, I noticed that. Like they're they're always yeah. kind of like very pretty and sexy, but but they don't seem very practical or comfortable. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, they're not meant to be worn like eight hours. They're meant to be worn like maybe for like, dinner. Gotcha. Because after dinner you're taking them off. Exactly. Gotcha. Because that's been my whole experience. Okay. No, that would that would make sense. I'm thinking of the people that I know who who have purchased those bras, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's about right. Anyway. Um, Yes. I got nothing. <laughs> so. What are mistakes you see people make most commonly that you think that could be easily avoided? Um, thinking that intent is everything. Yeah. That's a big one, because it's not. It's, yeah. All spice does not mean all spice. If a spell calls for lavender, don't substitute with all spice. Probably maybe go spend the dollar ninety five at Cat and Cauldron and get some lavender. Um, that that's gonna be the one next one I was gonna say. I think like kind of like the story I was just sharing, like last minute substitutions because you don't have the thing. Um, yeah, if you're working a right, if it's something like say like you've come up with something on your own, mm-hmm. which is always a good thing. I think you know, like I, I as witches, we need to be coming up well, and crafting our own spells. That's another mistake. <clears throat> it's only doing spells that you find in books and never crafting your own. There you go. That's that, yeah, that's another big one. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but unless you've, like, if you've pulled a, a spell or a ritual of some sort out of a book, like an established grimoire or who knows, right? You know, your Pinterest page, who the fuck knows? People pull information. Not to say them. that there is not, not to say that there's not good spells in books. 
Oh, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying, but I think that people tend to always kind of look for the external resource, mm-hmm. right? Which is, you know, which is good because we need external resources, right? Uh, but, um, but if you're going to do that, like if you're going to pull a ritual from a book, you know, and that ritual says you need Storax, like you better bust your ass to try to find some Storax. It's and, and don't, so, well, well, yes. Is it maybe. Storax or is it Styrix? Styrix. I'm sorry. That's what I was trying to say. Styrix. Um, like don't don't you know don't make a substitution no i guess is what i'm basically saying like if you you're reading something that says like if you want this result and you need these things to get this result you you need to do the best you can yeah. to, to get those things and but, to do the thing but also understand that the art of substituting in spells means that you've learned your correspondences quite well and no nay nay Rosemary is not a good substitute for every herb, just like cinnamon is not a substitute for every spice, just like rose is not a substitute for every flower, and just like frankincense is not a substitute for every resin. But can I always use a white candle? I mean, technically, yeah, because originally candles were like a yellow, because they were either made of beeswax or, you know, tallow. Yes, rendered fat. Yeah, so candle color doesn't really matter unless they smelled awful yeah candle color doesn't really matter in the sense of like essentially having to have it but if you're going to be working with the vibration of that color and incorporating that into your spell and giving it more focus then yeah you want to go with you want to go with the appropriate candle color you know another mistake that i see people making blindly following people who claim that they never make mistakes oh yes that's a big one because that's a cult leader Mm mm-hmm you're now part of a cult. Yeah. Here's your blue jumpsuit and your white sneakers. Um, another mistake. Really? Is it good Kool-Aid? Another mistake that is a lot the best, of people The best flavor is blue. <laughs> and blue is a flavor, y'all. Don't even don't don't even argue with me on that. A lot That's of mistakes right. that other pe- that I see a lot of other people make is in regards to um, like divination. There are people who don't want to actually go and spend the money to get a reading with a reputable reader. And I get it. Sometimes you can't afford it. But if you're sitting and you're pulling the same cards and your cards are all ripping you a new asshole and you're still not listening and you don't want to hear that, you need to go get an outside source. One, you're too close to the situation. It's just That's just a fact. You're going to be biased no matter what. It takes years to develop that sense of disconnect from your own self so you can get a proper reading and i'm telling you this as someone who has been reading professionally for many years has been a practicing witch for many years i still go get readings from other practitioners i still do because what i'm worrying about or what i'm anxious about or what i'm focusing on is always going to color that reading indeed which is why if you get too close to your clients as well, that can also be a danger. Yes. Well, that's kind of a different conversation. But yeah. yeah. But basically, getting external sources and understanding some different things is going to be really, really good for you. And always making sure that you follow up with different resources. All right. Well. And don't trust someone who just wants to throw magic at everything. Yeah, if that that's a huge that's mistake. A, yeah, that's another big mistake. If yeah. you're you learning from someone, spiritually bypass your life. Yeah, if you're learning from someone whose huge answer to everything is shadow work or throw a curse at it or throw a spell at it, that's not something you need to be working with because that person obviously hasn't evolved past the stage to actually function in a mundane world, and they probably shouldn't be giving mundane world advice. Agreed. I think we have, uh, I think we have an episode. I think we do too. Like we, we got the big pieces out. You know, yeah. the, the topic was an interesting one, and again, it was kind of a kind of a, a last minute, but it was a good suggestion, I think, on Ashley's part. <laughs> um, and share uh, your mistakes with us. I have a huge list. Oh, well, I was talking to the listeners, but. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think. But see, but your answer though, that I think that that's that's. That, that's a good answer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, like if you you've been doing this for long enough, you're you're gonna have mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also I, gonna be hard for you to remember those mistakes a lot of the times, unless they're really big oopsies. Just because, like, 
like like me. I know I have a lot of mistakes that have happened. You don't have a mistake journal. I don't. But I know that I've done a lot of shit wrong. I've fumbled. I've made mistakes. Mm. I've trusted the wrong people. I've substituted when I shouldn't have substituted when I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Dear diary, today I fucked it up. Yeah. And I'm going to say this. The only reason I don't see those mistakes is because those are the times when I was kept humble and realized like, okay, I need to like, I need to, I need to slow my roll a bit. Yes. Yes. Slow your roll a bit now. I'd like to thank all of our saltines for joining us for yet another episode. Thank you, saltines. Thank you so much. Um, I'm being told to shut up. Do do check out our our, our website www.catandcauldron.com for upcoming classes and events. We always have exciting things coming up. We have uh, the losing my religion class that you mentioned. We have this Friday the water scrying. Right. Um, these are unfortunately only, only available uh, in person, unfortunately. But if you are in the Utah area, uh, Salt Lake City area specifically, and you want to join us, please please do so. Losing My Religion um, class is available online. I don't think it is. It is. You posted so. Did I? You did. Oh. Well, it isn't. Oh. Well, you have people online. I don't think I do. You do. I don't. Yeah, you do. I'm going to have to look because I don't think I do. If I do, then it's available online. If it isn't, then I don't because I have been dealing with online students with the mediumship development course and I love my online students, but I need a, I need a break from the online students for a minute. It's a lot of extra work. Well, there's only one class. Um, anyway, um, but that's it. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll be back next week with, uh, more, uh, of our chicanery. Happy witching.